0: Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, we're going to do a, a little bit different this morning. We've got a few extra elements at the end of the service. So I'm going to go ahead and say, Northwest kids, you are released to go back to your classes, to Camp Northwest kids. And we're going to go ahead and dive into the word this morning. And as the kids make their way back, and as the teachers make their way back, let me pray for us. Oh, heavenly Father, thank you so much for letting me be here together today with my brothers and sisters. God, thank you for gathering us together. Thank you for giving us your Word and Holy Spirit. I just ask that you would be with us right now. That you would come to your work in each and each inside each and every one of us. Help us to understand your Word. Help us to believe it. Help us to obey it, and help us to learn how to teach it to others as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want you to consider a question with me as we start off this morning. What is a time in your life that you have experienced surprising love? What's the time in your life that you've experienced a love from somebody that didn't just kind of warm your heart, but that made you think, man, what's going on here? what's happening inside of this person that they would treat me like that? What's the time in your life that you've experienced surprising love? You know, when I think of that myself, what comes to my mind is, so a few years ago, maybe like five, six years ago, Lindsay and I were living overseas, and uh, there there was a woman who was, I would say she was kind of an acquaintance, and you know, we'd she was working overseas where we were too. So we kind of worked together in a few different projects and things like that. And you know, we were acquaintances. We've had a few kind of brief conversations at that point and um but we weren't super close and we weren't on the same team or anything like that. And so anyway, I was I was talking to this to this woman one time. It was me and a couple others kind of standing around talking. And I, I forget exactly how it came up, but she she said she said, Well, Ryan, when I pray for you. This is how I usually pray. And she goes on to kind of say, well, I pray that God would bless your family and that God would give you rest and stuff like that. And to be honest, it kind of took me, it kind of, it touched me, but it kind of took me off guard because I was like, why are you praying for me? (laughs) You know, because like I said, we were just kind of acquaintances. Like, you know, we hadn't spent a ton of time together. Like, why why was, it sounded from the way she said it that yeah, I was like on her prayer list, that she was praying for me on a daily basis or something. So I was like, you know, what, what, why, I kind of asked her, I probably didn't say it quite that awkwardly, like, why are you praying for me? But I said, you know, what's, what, what's the deal there? That's very, that's very uh, touching, why are you praying for me? And uh, I'm probably thinking at the time, I, I'm, I'm probably imagining she's gonna say like, well, you know, Ryan, you're just such an amazing leader. And so I just pray that God would bless you And that's why I I, just—I was thinking—and that's not what she said. (laughs) She is literally what she said. I promise. She said she kind of gets this sheepish grin on on her face, and she says, "Well, the first time I met you, I thought you were a complete jerk." (laughs) I was like, "Me, (laughs) little old me." She's like, the first time I met you, the first time I met you, I was like, who does, I've never met somebody so arrogant in my life. Who does this guy think that he is? I know. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what she said, I promise. She, she said, and then I asked Jesus, I said, God, what, what should I do? And then Jesus told me to start praying for you. And so I just started praying for you and as i started praying for you the more i started praying for you on a regular basis i felt the lord leading me to pray that god would help you to rest and that god would bless your family and you know you guys don't know this woman but if you didn't know her she is not the kind of like touchy feely like conflict avoidant type. She's sort of like an in-your-face, really type A. You know, if she doesn't like something, she'll, you know, she'll call you out on it. She is not somebody that would just kind of say something to, to just make me feel good. And so the fact that she thought I was an arrogant jerk and that the way she responded to that was to start praying for me. And not praying like, all right, I hope he, God, please you know, make him get sick or something. You know, but praying, praying things for me that I would pray for myself. That was the work of the Holy Spirit in her. And that was an example where, I mean, six, seven years later, I still remember that story because that was an example of surprising love. Well, what about you? What's an example of a time that you've experienced love that didn't just warm your heart, But made you stop and ask, what's going on in this person that they would love me like that? Well, we're going to talk about love today. You can turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. You can turn me to Matthew chapter 5. You know, we've been going through the salt and light project. This is the last, this is the fifth and final week of what we've been calling the salt and light project. And we've been looking at the words of Jesus and we said that you know Jesus tells us as we think about who we wanna be as a church, as we think about what it means to be a family of disciples making disciples, if we really start to live out these family values that we have, open Bible, open life, open faith, what Jesus has told us in the Sermon on the Mount that we've looked at so far is that the impact that's gonna have in the world around us is that we're gonna be salt and we're gonna be light. And so what we've been doing for the past few weeks We've been looking at different passages and we've been talking about what's this gonna look like practically? What are some concrete, specific ways that we can be salt and we can be light? And we talked about several already. And probably the one we're gonna talk about today, surprising love, loving like God loves. I don't think I'm exaggerating to say that this is the most important one. This is the one that kind of encapsulates all the others. So if you haven't heard, if this is your first time Uh, hearing one of our messages in the Salt and Light Project, you came at the right time, because this is a really important one. So look with me at Matthew chapter five and uh, verse 43. So this is what Jesus says. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you is perfect. Okay, so Jesus is talking here, he's talking about two different types of love. First he talks about human love. He talks about human love. He says, "You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies." And that's kind of common sense, isn't it? You know, your your family, your your friends, the people that you that that are that are in your neighborhood, you know, people that you that that you work with, you know, be good to those people and, you know, love your love your friends and your neighbors and punch a Nazi or something, right? You know, love, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's kind of, that's kind of common sense, the way we tend to, to think about things. And what Jesus is saying is that when we find ourselves loving our kids, our friends, people that maybe love us back or at least who don't hurt us, he says, that's good. That's really good. But that's not actually a distinctly or uniquely Christian love. That is a human love, that human beings, whether they're atheists, whether they're Buddhists, whether they're Muslim, no matter what they believe, no matter whether or not they have a relationship with Jesus or are disciples of Jesus, that's something that is common to human beings who remain in the image of God. And what Jesus is saying is that that's good to love your neighbor and hate your enemy or to love your neighbor, but he's calling us to something More, Look at what he says in verse 44. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus says, it's human nature to want to love people who are good to us, to love our family, to love our friends, to love our neighbors. But God is calling us, Jesus is calling us, not just to love our neighbors, but to love The people that we think are complete jerks, right, to love even our enemies. And he gives us two reasons that he says this. First, he says, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. So love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. So what does this mean? Well, he's not saying if you want to become a son or daughter of God, you better get to work on loving your enemies because that's what you have to do to gain entrance in this family. That's not what he's saying. John 1, very clearly tells us that if we receive Jesus, if we believe in him, those are the people who are given the right to become the sons and daughters of God. So that's not what that's talking about. What this is talking about is that when we start to love like God, when we start to love like our father who is in heaven, we are showing that we are like our father. It's kind of like when I see, have you ever had, those of you that have, have kids, have you ever seen your kids do something that, that's good? <laughs> Not something that's bad, but something that's good, and you're like, that's kind of like what I would do, right? Isn't that just so heartwarming, right? Well, this is, and you, because you, you see that, and you're like, they're just a chip off the old block, or you probably don't say that anymore, but, you know, um, <laughs> but you say whatever you say, but man, they're, they're like me. They, they picked that up from me. I, I taught that to them, right? And that's what this is saying is that when we love not just our friends but our enemies, we're being just a, a chip off the old block. We're being like our Father who, who is in heaven. And so this is the way God loves. It says that God, he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. So God doesn't just love people that love him. He loves people that hate him. Think about this for a second. So Richard Dawkins. You guys know who Richard Dawkins is? Richard Dawkins... Sam Harris, do you know who they are? Two of the more prominent um, atheists who go around debating Christians, two guys who just love nothing more than to come up with arguments and to debate Christians and to tell everybody and convince everybody that you're stupid if you believe in God but even if God did exist, He was. He's just this sadistic. If the God of the Bible does exist, He's just a sadistic, cruel kind of, you know, horrible, horrible, awful God. Okay, that, that's you know, that's Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris. That's that's what that's part of. That's part of their mission in life is to disabuse people in their minds of of believing in, in God or believing that God is a good God. Now think about this for a second. Every single morning. The Bible in Colossians tells us that God holds all things together, okay? He's not the deist God up here who kind of you know wound the clock and watches it go. He is actively causing all things to work together. So every single morning, God allows Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris to experience sunshine. He allows them to drink water He allows them to eat food. He allows them to experience love from their families. And and every day, they use that energy that God has given them by his grace to go think up new ways to convince people that God is a horrible, awful, sadistic God who doesn't exist. Why would God do that? Because he doesn't just love his friends He loves his enemies. That's the first reason that God calls us to love that way, is because that's the way he loves. The second reason is that this is the type of love, this is the type of love that is salt and light. We've been talking about being salt and light. We've talked about several ways we can do that already. We've been saying, you know, this is a very lonely, disconnected, isolated world. We want to double down on in person community where you can be known, where you can be loved, where you can be challenged, a place that's full of grace and truth. We've been talking about, you know, this is a world, this is an area, like Matt talked about last week. This is an area where people are running after all different types of materialism, getting the bigger car, getting the bigger house, all this type of stuff. And we're inviting people to experience the joy of generous living. It's a place where, it's an area, the culture where people are confused finding their identity in all different sorts of things, and we're inviting them to discover who they were designed to be by finding their identity in in Christ. And as we think about being salt and light here, look at what Jesus says at the end of verse 44, or in, uh, yeah, in verse 46, actually. He says, he's basically saying, if you just love your friends and love your neighbors, that's not gonna stand out. That's not going to be like a light in a dark room. That's not going to preserve anything. You're just going to be like everybody else. He says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors, who were basically the, the corrupt people that everybody hated at the time, that were known for being very bad and unloving. Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you only greet your brothers, what more are you doing than the Gentiles, who they saw as these kind of pagan ungodly people that, that were completely immoral. So what Jesus is saying is, he's calling, like if, if we can, he's calling us to love in such a way that when people, when people see the way we love each other, when people see the way we handle conflict, when people see the way we love people we disagree with politically, people that hurt us, people that are our enemies, when people see the way we love them, they say, whoa. What's going on here? That's not normal. Tell me why you're doing that. That's the way Jesus is calling us to love. Well, let's get personal about this. Jesus is saying, don't just love your neighbor and hate your enemy, you should love your enemy. Who is your enemy? who are your enemies? Now, you might be tempted to think, and I think this is one of those ways, again, that we have to be careful, because this is, if we're not careful about this, we're in danger of losing our saltiness. You know, salt has lost its saltiness. You know, what what good is it? You know, if, if we're not careful about this, we're in danger of losing our saltiness. It's very easy for us to say, I don't have any enemies, Everybody, yeah, I'm an easygoing person. Like it, I, I don't hate anybody. You know, I, I don't, I don't have anybody that's trying to to kill me. You know, if you were our global staff family that we support, who um, is thankfully safe in America right now, but who their home is in Kiev, Ukraine, and they're watching as their hometown that they love is getting bomb the smithereens, you would be very clear on who your enemy was if you were them, right? But it's tempting for us to say, well, I don't have any enemies. I don't have any enemies. Well, an enemy, the way it's used in this passage, it's not just referring to somebody who's trying to kill you. It's not just referring to somebody who is trying to, to steal things from you, or like an invading army or something like that. This is referring to somebody that is, you feel is sabotaging you, somebody who is getting in your way, or even just somebody who's annoying to you or somebody who's frustrating to you or somebody who's done something painful to you in the past. Let me ask you a few questions here. These are kind of diagnostic questions that you can think about. And guys, I know this is kind of, this is sort of vulnerable stuff, but I think the Lord really, you know, it's. I think the Lord wants to do something really important in our hearts through, through this word. So I encourage you to, to, to really go here with me. Think about some of these questions. As you think about who, who are your enemies, think about these questions. Who is somebody who has wronged you? Who is somebody who's hurt you? Who is somebody that if you were to see them on the other side of the playground with your kids, that the hair on the back of your neck might stand up a little bit. You might feel yourself being a little bit angry. Who is somebody, if you saw them on the other side of the aisle at Target, you would kinda get that feeling in the pit of your stomach and you would just wanna avoid them. Who is that person, this is very convicting to me, who is that person that if something good happens to them, they get a promotion, they have a healthy child, you know, they, they buy a new house, something good happens to them. You would never say this out loud. You never post this on Facebook but secretly in your heart, you're kind of thinking, that's not fair. They don't deserve that. Or on the other hand, who is that person who, if something bad happens to them, they lose their job, they get sick, whatever the case may be? And again, you would never say this out loud. You know, you might even kind of in your life group or in your, your small group, be saying, hey, we need to pray for so-and-so. But that person that secretly in your heart, you're kind of like, mm, serves them right. Maybe this will teach him. Who is that person for you? And it could be anybody. And the truth is, for some of us, maybe it's, our, maybe it's our, 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 somebody in our family. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe it's somebody that you're in a really difficult relationship with right now. Maybe it's somebody that did something really horrible to you a long time ago, and it still affects you today. There's this quote that's attributed to several different people that I think really expresses a, an important and true principle. This is what it says. It says, holding on to resentment and anger Holding on to resentment and anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Holding on to resentment and anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I wonder if any of us today have been drinking poison, hoping that somehow that's going to Cause somebody who's hurt us to get what they deserve. Well, how does God call us to respond? Well, He calls us to love our enemies, but how? He gives us three ways here. First of all, He says you can pray for them. You can pray for them. Think about my friend that that I I started talking about. This this woman who you know I I was her person. If she listened to this sermon, she would think Ryan, right? And instead of drinking that poison and poisoning herself and poisoning her relationship with me and with Lindsay, she started praying for me. And not again, not praying, God please help him to stop being such a complete jerk. Not not praying, help him to fail so he really sees, so he's humbled. But praying for me the way I pray for myself, praying for me to rest well, praying for me to be healthy, praying for God to bless my ministry. Right, and you know what happened? You know what happened? God started to change her heart. And the more she started to pray for me, the less bitterness and resentment that she felt towards me. And after that, she and Lindsay and I end up becoming really good friends. And to this day, we're, we're still we're still really good friends. And, and she ended up being a huge encouragement to, to me and to Lindsay. And we end up being a, I think, a, a big encouragement to her too. And that's the thing, that's the trick. Our hearts are tricky, right? Your heart wants to tell you, don't pray for that person. Don't pray for that person. That's gonna hurt so much if you pray for that person. But you know what the truth is? When you step out in faith and you start praying for that person, you know what happens? Your heart starts to melt towards them. Not because what they did wasn't bad, not because you're not sad or not because you're not hurt, but because you're stepping out in faith, you're being like your Father in heaven. The light is shining through you. And that is addictive. That is addictive. And the more we love people that way, the more we experience God's love, and we just get hooked on it. And you might even find that God restores your relationship with that person. The second thing it says, a second thing it says is that we can give and serve, we can give to people and serve people. And give to people and serve people, just like God, who every day, you know, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris wake up, he gives them sunlight. He gives them rain. He gives them food to eat, just like he does to, to you and, and, and to me, right? And, uh, in, Romans, yeah, and um, in Romans 12, it says, don't fight evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. How? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's, if he's naked, clothe him. I wonder if there's anybody somebody that has hurt you that you might be able to step out and do something kind for. I'm not saying if somebody has abused you to put yourself in a situation where they're going to keep abusing you. But where you can step out in faith and show them God's love. Well, if you're listening to this, if you've been if you've kind of gone with me into these kind of deep waters, these uncomfortable areas and and you know, I, I recognize this is this is, this is sensitive stuff, and there's people in this room that, that, are, that have dealt and are dealing with some real significant pain. I hope that what you're thinking right now is, that's impossible. I hope when you think about that person, and you hear me say, pray for them, serve them, give to them, Greet them. I hope your knee-jerk reaction is, no way. Can't do it. Remember, Jesus is not just calling us to not attack those people. Not just to not avoid them, but to actively love them. And it is impossible for us. But you know what makes it possible? You know what makes it possible for us? Why this is a uniquely Christian type of love? because this is the way that God loves us. This is the way that God loves us. This is not Jesus saying, you wanna be on my team? You wanna be in my family? You wanna join my company? You wanna be a part of my gang? Well, here's your your initiation. Go love that person that was a jerk to you. That's not what he's saying. Romans five says, there's a few people that would be willing to die for somebody that was a good person. You know, if we see somebody jump in front of a car for, for a random stranger or, or even somebody, even their, their child or their wife to try to save their, their, their loved one, we think that person is a hero, right? But nobody's gonna die for their enemy. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He drank the poison not to hurt us, but to hurt himself so that we could be set free. Well, brothers and sisters, this is, this is what it looks like to be salt and light. It's not easy, is it? It's not easy, is it? But it's good, and this is the way to abundant life, and as we've said several times already, this is why we wanna build a building. This is why we wanna build a building. Not because we're better than everybody else or we're smarter than everybody else or anything like that, but because we want this community to be absolutely filled with the light of the glory of the love of God. And the more we experience his love, the more it pours out of us onto our husbands, our wives, onto our kids, onto our enemies, onto our neighbors, and people are gonna see our good works and they're gonna give glory to our Father who's in heaven. Amen? Well, we're gonna respond to this in three ways. We're gonna move into a time of response. And uh, elders, you can go ahead and move to the, to the communion stations We're gonna respond in three ways over about the next 20 minutes or so. The first way is I invite you to reflect. Spend some time reflecting on these questions that I've asked. Who is your enemy and what does it look like for you to love them? But more importantly, remembering that you were God's enemy when he drank the poison for you, not to hurt you, but to save you. You can spend some time reflecting on that, asking God to reveal any sin that might be unconfessed in your heart. And when you feel ready, we're gonna take communion. We've got these six tables. You guys can, can look around real quick. I feel like I'm a, I'm a stewardess on an airplane. The closest table may be behind you. <laughs> but um, there's, there, there's six tables, um, three on this side, uh, three on that side. And as you reflect, there'll be some verses up on the screen here. We'll have some music playing. As you feel ready... Um, you can go to one of these tables, and the elders will serve you communion. And we want to want it to be intimate, so we want to keep it to about 8 to 10 people per table, so when you feel ready, if all the tables are already full, then just wait until one of them opens up. We want about 8 to 10 people around around these tables, and the elders will will take you through through communion. Um, and, and we're going to, don't worry if all the tables are full, we're going to wait until everybody has a chance to do it. If you uh, we're, we're using the actual bread and the actual juice this morning, if you, if you want one of the single serve, the, the ones that you peel the stuff off of, uh, there's the two tables in the back have both the single serve and the, the real juice and the real bread. So you can, you can make your way to two of the tables in the back, either the two tables in the back if you want. So through communion, and, and finally, we're going to respond to this message by offering our pledges that we believe God is the, the money that we believe God is leading us to give to the building fund as a part of the Salt and Light Project over the next three years. So the communion tables, three on this side, three on that side, and right in the center of, of the room, there's a, a table with a, with a basket in it. And if you brought your pledge card and already have it filled out, uh, when you feel ready, before you take communion or after you take communion or, or, or whenever, you can go and, and place it in that, in that basket if you didn't bring your pledge card, but you want to fill out a pledge, there are blank pledge cards and pens and envelopes that are, that are right on that table. You can go and get one, fill it out, and, uh, and, then place it, and then place it in the basket. Make sense? So this is going to be about 20 minutes. And yeah, I invite you to listen to the Holy Spirit as he reminds you what he's done for you and what he is calling you to do for others. Thank you.
1: Good morning, brothers and sisters. It is so good to gather together on this special day. I want to read back in some Old Testament David's prayer, First Chronicles, chapter 29, after the offerings of the temple had been given. I thought it was appropriate to read his words, his prayer is much better than mine. After I read this, I'll pray for us. So David said, Blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed art thou, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness, and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, thine is the dominion, O Lord, and thou dost exalt thyself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from thee, and thou dost rule over all, and in thy hand is power and might, and in it lies thy hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I to stand with my people, my brothers and sisters, that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from thee, and thy hand was given, or we have given thee. For we are sojourners before thee, and tenants, as all of our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build thee a house for thy holy name, it is from thy hand, and all is thine. Since I know, O my God, that thou triest the hearts, and delightest in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered these things so now with joy I have seen thy people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. O oh Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of thy people and direct their heart to thee. May you pray for us? Lord God, we want our hearts to be humble before you, reverent before you, fearing you, but also reflecting you in our hearts. I want them to be generous and full of the right motives as we give sacrificially to you because you're worth it. It is all yours anyway. So we love you, Lord. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here and their hearts to serve you and their hearts to love you and to give their lives to you and their finances as well. We love you so much, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name.
2: Thank you so much for the message today and for its conviction Um, and thank you that in that conviction you don't leave us, you don't leave me broken and bereft but you empower us through your spirit to do and to change the things that we never could have done on our own. Um, Thank you that when I look at someone and deem them unworthy, you never have and thank you that we can be blessed with our transgressions forgiven and our sins covered. And thank you that we can come and rejoice together as your family, knowing that you've covered everything we could have possibly done wrong in our lives. Thank you for your generous love. And thank you that we can now share that with others, not through our own might, not through mustering it up ourselves, but through your spirit giving us the strength and the courage to do that. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Let's continue to rejoice with our our last song together.
0: Well, I hope you guys are proud of me. I made it through a whole sermon on loving your enemies and didn't once mention that UNC beat Duke last night. Aren't you proud of me? Yeah. Uh, A couple quick things before you go. So uh, as you are leaving on the tables on the way out, you will see this card. This is an Easter card. It has the different activities that we're going to be doing to celebrate the week of Easter. uh, The week after this coming week, Palm Sunday, our Messianic Passover Seder, which is going to be really cool. And then our Easter sunrise and then family worship service on on Easter Sunday. So go ahead and and grab one of these. And also remember to come out and join us at 6 p.m. tonight At the church property, we're going to be enjoying some s'mores, and we're going to have a family chat to celebrate what God has done through your generous generous giving, and we're going to announce the amount that he has led us together to pledge for the building. So hope to see you out tonight at 6 p.m. Love you guys. Have a great week.